0: the Holy Gospel according to John, the first chapter. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, "'He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain "'is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. "'And I myself have seen and have testified "'that this is the Son of God.'" The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, "'Look, here is the Lamb of God.'" The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are called you are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Did you catch all four nicknames for Jesus? So Lamb of God, Rabbi, Messiah. Anointed is a translation of Messiah, also kind of a nickname. Son of God. And even Peter gets another name, right? Cephas, right? Uh, Or Simon Peter. He has lots of names. Uh, Well done. Nicknames are fun. You have to see this. Have you ever heard someone say that to you? Or maybe you've said it to someone else. There's usually some sort of spectacular or unbelievable sight involved. So maybe think about a favorite vacation vacation perhaps overlooking the stunning vistas of the Grand Canyon, or standing in the shadow of the towering monuments and memorials of Washington, D.C., or maybe the first time you saw an ocean. For me, most recently, it was getting to visit the various historical sites in Atlanta associated with Martin Luther King, Jr., who we commemorate this weekend. The house where he grew up on Sweet Auburn, Ebenezer Baptist Church, where he and his father preached and pastored, and the tomb where he and Coretta are buried in the middle of this reflecting pool. It's quite a spectacular thing to see. And it's one thing to know that these places exist, and even to see photos of them but it's quite another to be up close and personal with them. To experience something like that in person is larger than life, and it's awe-inspiring. It takes your breath away. Even the best photographs or stories you tell when you get home can only show a sliver Of what you actually experienced. And don't quite capture what it's like to be there in person. You just have to see it. And experience it for yourself. Come and see. Jesus' first words in John's gospel are actually a question. Posed to two of John's disciples. Whose curiosity had been piqued. And they start to follow Jesus And he turns to them and says, What are you looking for? They want to know where Jesus is staying. They're interested in what's going on. And Jesus' response, as Jesus is inclined to do, is ambiguous. He doesn't really answer the question directly, ever. But he says to them, Come and see. It's an intriguing invitation, I think. As though to say, if you want to know what I'm up to, well, you'll just have to come along and find out. John's gospel hinges on a couple of key words. Seeing, or to see, is one of them. But as we should come to expect in John's gospel, everything is not what it appears to be. This is not about visual sights or seeing with our eyes necessarily. This is about perceiving or recognizing something through the lens of faith, coming to an understanding of something. It's about an experience to be had and something to be discovered by becoming an active participant in what's going on. So what is Jesus inviting us to experience? That's where another key word in John's gospel comes in, the word is sometimes translated as abide. Sounds a little more theological. Here we get it as stay or remain. And it appears a number of times. Anytime you see the word stay or remain in this passage, the word meno, abide. Here again, it's something more than just physically dwelling or being with a person. It can mean that too. But in John, it means more than that. And abiding is one of John's favorite and most used concepts. And it has to do with this special relationship that Jesus shares with his Father and the relationship that Jesus' followers share with him and with God and with each other. We'll get more of that abiding language later in John's Gospel, in that vine and branches abide in me. As I abide in you, all of that stuff, that's abiding. And so we could read this passage this way. Where are you abiding, the disciples ask. Come and see, come and find out. So they came and saw where he was abiding, and they abided with him that day. Gives a little different spin to it, I think. Jesus' invitation to come and see is an invitation to experience relationship and to abide in a community. Now, it's interesting that the two disciples that initiate this conversation don't actually explicitly get named. Maybe one of them is Andrew, but that's not really explicit in the text. But I think there's a reason, or at least I'd like to think there's a reason for that anonymity and that ambiguity. Unlike the other four Gospels, how many disciples do you think there are in John? Twelve, maybe? No? Uh, Actually, it doesn't say. The other Gospels do list the disciples. And there's twelve of them, right? Uh, Well, eleven after Judas... Uh, And then they replace him in Acts with Matthias. Uh, Easy come, easy go. Um, It's a different sermon. But there's no formal list of the disciples in John. We get a lot of the same characters, Peter and Andrew, for one, they're in this passage. But there's not even any evidence in John that there were only 12. John doesn't give us a number. Because John's point is that the circle of disciples And the community of Jesus' friends and followers is so much bigger and more inclusive and expansive than any list could contain. In John, Jesus even calls his disciples friends, sort of shortening that gap between teacher or rabbi and disciples or students. It's much more egalitarian, putting them on equal footing and the anonymity of those unnamed disciples, I like to imagine, is an invitation for us. Who are those disciples? It could be you. It could be me. This is a wide, open invitation to come and see and experience Speaking of unique experiences, two things happened to me this past week while I was in North Carolina that I never thought would happen. And I'm just going to warn you in advance. I might startle some of you. I saw my first ever Star Wars movie in full. I, Yeah, really. Uh, and the second thing, I'm going to use Star Wars as a sermon illustration. Never thought that would happen. I'm given to understand there's a lot that could... Be read into it. But in the latest installation of the saga, it's currently in theaters, episode 9, as I'm told, The Rise of Skywalker. I do know, at least know I know the concepts, I know what's what it's about. But I saw this movie, and one member of the resistance, these are the good people for you who are like me and have never really paid attention to this. One member of the resistance encourages another. And there's this line that she says that struck me, they, and she's referring to the bad people, they win by making you think you're alone. Her point being, we're not alone in this fight. There are more people on our side than we realize. And for those of you who have yet to see it, I won't give away any spoilers, but it's Star Wars, you know how it ends, the good people win. Uh, I won't tell you how, because it's impressive, but it's, come and see, right? But it's instructive. There are more people on our side than we realize. Recently, during the Milwaukee Film Festival, I had the opportunity to see a different kind of film entirely. This was a documentary called Gay Chorus, Deep South. Did anyone else see this film? It was really quite remarkable. You can look up clips of it online. But after the 2016 election, the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus and the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir teamed up to tour through states in the Deep South, including Mississippi, Alabama, uh, Tennessee, and North Carolina. Not exactly places where you'd expect a gay interfaith choir to show up, but here they are. And for many in the chorus, this tour was deeply personal for them, re- many of them being from the South themselves, returning to the places that they had called home, including the conductor who himself had been fired as a choir director at his church in Texas purely for coming out as gay. But it was those who came and saw the concerts, and they interviewed people who, had, who came to see these concerts in between clips. It was the people who came out and saw these concerts uh, that moved me and touched me the most. These were people who thought they didn't fit in people who weren't used to seeing a whole lot of people like them in the places where they lived, who suddenly experienced an overwhelming message of welcome and affirmation and love from coming and seeing this chorus. And in one of the chorus's more emotional pieces, they sing these words as though directly to those who feel like they don't belong, For whatever reason, they sing, you have more friends than you know. I encourage you to look that piece up on YouTube. It's really quite remarkable. You have more friends than you know. Those concert goers came and saw, and they experienced that statement to be true. True. For many, I imagine it was a life giving and life saving experience. And I think that is precisely the kind of invitation Jesus is offering in these words come and see. It's something that has to be seen and experienced. Come and see, come and experience the deep, abiding love of God and experience the community of friends who support us and who fill in the cracks when we need it the most. We don't have to fight in a war in a galaxy far, far away. I'm getting the hang of these references. You don't have to be a young gay kid in the deep south hearing a moving chorus of affirmation for the first time to know what that community is is like. Because in ways big and small, and sometimes mostly those small ways, we have that community all around us, especially in this place, around this font, in our lives, in the world. And in just a few minutes, we'll make a public affirmation of our baptismal covenants. And at the end, we'll promise to support and pray for one another in living out those promises and that calling. It's a short response, but it's a profound response. Because these are not just promises that we make on our own, these are promises that we live into together as a community of faith. That's why we're here. Come and see Jesus' invitation holds the promise of experiencing the kind of life that God intends for us. Life that is lived in community, surrounded by those who love and support us. Life that is nurtured and sustained by this holy meal. Life that lives not for itself, but outward, in service to others. John's Gospel Ends with another invitation, and it's one of my favorite passages. We get it during Easter. The risen Jesus appears on the lake shore. He's tending a small charcoal fire. There's some bread and there's some fish on it, and the disciples are out fishing. They haven't caught anything. He yells out to them, Oh, you haven't caught any fish, have you? You can imagine their response, No, of course not. What do you think? And then there's this miraculous catch of fish, and the disciples come ashore. And Jesus' invitation to them, Well, there's still a ways out. He says, Come and have breakfast. And I love that line, not just because I love breakfast. Thank you, Greg O'Connell, for the hash brown from McDonald's. Uh, But because it's another invitation to experience, to come and see, to come and be around a meal gathered in community. Jesus' ministry in John's Gospel, ends as it begins. With this gentle, intriguing, enticing invitation, come and see an invitation to abide in a community that is more expansive and inclusive than we can imagine or comprehend. An invitation to abide in the love of God that calls us to a holy and filling meal and makes a place for us at the table. Amen.